<clears throat> I'll take a drink of water before we get going because I seem to be struggling. I'm all right. <laughs> this morning we're in Genesis chapter 39. We'll be looking at verses 10 through 23. But in verse 9 of chapter 39, we hear Joseph declare to Potiphar's wife, who she happens to be an immoral Egyptian, this woman that tempts Joseph day after day, and she tempts him to commit adultery with her. And we hear Joseph say, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph recognized sin as sin. Nothing new, nothing less. Potiphar's wife, she's not asking Joseph to have an affair with her. She's not asking Joseph to comfort her because she is lonely. She's not asking Joseph to console her because she's in a bad marriage. She is asking Joseph to commit adultery with her. Call it what it is. A great wickedness, a grievous sin before God. In America, I think in particular, we no longer call sin, sin. We try to soften the harsh reality of sin. A bad temper is simply self-expression. Lifted up in pride is just having good self-esteem. Gluttony, that's living the good life. Covetousness, it's only trying to get ahead in life. Adultery can be a cry for help in a bad marriage. And we deceive ourselves by what we call sin. And we call it less offensive words. Joseph, he calls adultery what it is. It is a great wickedness against God. And when we're tempted, and we all are, we need to recognize what sin is and call it what it is. It's not always easy to be upfront and truthful. I thought about this next example I'm going to use, so bear with me. <laughs> Your wife comes to you and she's got a new outfit on. Honey, does this make me look fat? Careful, men. Be very careful right now. That is a loaded question. I instantly become more engaged in whatever I'm doing, and I pretend I did not hear her. But she will insist, well, what do you think of this outfit? And I will say something lame like, well, honey, you don't, I don't know a thing in the world about fashion. What do I know? But she wants an answer. And then I will say something. Do you want the truth or do you want me to make you feel better? That's our only hope, men. Stand on that. Make her answer that question. If she answers that question, well, I didn't think it looked good anyway. You're okay. 
but insists that she answer that question, but it doesn't matter, you're still in trouble. Even in your silence will keep you in trouble. But Joseph, to his credit, has declared to Potiphar's wife the truth. It is a great wickedness against my God that you're asking me to commit. And she's not put off by Joseph's commitment to God. She has no fear of God whatsoever. But Joseph has been faithful to tell her what her sin is. It's a great wickedness before God. And when we read uh, about Joseph, we need to understand that he is in the midst of being tempted by Potiphar's wife 24-7, and this has been going on for years, perhaps even as long as 10 years. So you need to bear that in mind. This is an ongoing temptation for Joseph. Charles Spurgeon, he wrote, When I thought God was hard, when I thought he was a tyrant, I found it easy to sin. But when I knew him as my father, kind and good, overflowing with compassion, I desperately smote my breast, thinking, how could I ever rebel against him, the one who loves me so, and seeks my good. Your image of God will help you withstand temptation. Joseph, he's at a point in life that he's discovered God loves him, and all sin is against God. And when we come to that conclusion in our life, it puts a whole different meaning upon temptation. So let's read the rest of Joseph's temptation in Genesis 39, 10 through 23. So it was as he spoke to Joseph day by day, she's because Potiphar's wife, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were inside that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me, but he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of the house and spoke to them saying, see, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came in to me to lie with me and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until the master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came in to me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. 
and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Quite the event. Verse 10, we have day after day, Potiphar's wife comes to tempt Joseph. It's not unusual to be tempted, and it's not unusual to be tempted day after day. In our world today, we are subjected to the world's temptation to lower our standard, and it comes at us each and every day. Go with the desires of your flesh. Everybody else does. The advertising world, they're, they're such culprits. <laughs> the magazines, the billboards, the movies, the internet, TV, bombard us with temptation. The world we live in beats upon us each and every day to lay down your morals of righteousness and take up the ways of the lust of the flesh. And if we're not careful as believers, we can find ourselves choosing not to necessarily sin, but we choose the lesser of two evils to participate in. Let me try to explain. We get home, we plop down in front of the TV, and we try to ignore the ungodly content of some program that we're watching. Our justification is, well, it's, it's a comedy, it's a funny show, and there are, you know, and there's worse shows on TV, so I'm not wor watching the bad ones. And then a commercial will come on TV Victoria Secret models, and they come on and they openly display women's underwear. And you say, but it's only a commercial. It'll be over in a second. But that image plays with your mind. Hardy's Restaurant, they have commercials that are sexual, to say the least, and I know of several people that will not eat at Hardee's because of their commercial. <laughs> I take my hat off to you. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> Stand up to them. But we have this justification in many of our lives to choose a lesser of two evils and think it's okay. In our last presidential election, there was a lot of people that voted for Romney, a Mormon, because they considered him a lesser evil. What is wrong with that picture? But back to Joseph. Potiphar's wife, she is, if anything, consistent day to day to tempt Joseph. Without a doubt, she dresses provocatively, trying to lure Joseph into sin. And the day finally comes that she 
is found alone in the house with Joseph, and she grabs his coat and she makes her move on him. And she grabs his garment and says, lie with me. Joseph leaves his tunic with her, and he escapes. He flees to the outside. But Potiphar's wife has been scorned now, and she's scorned by a slave. She's scorned by Joseph, and she's scorned by the man that has rejected her. And we've all heard the saying, there's no fury like the fury of a scorned woman. There's some truth there. (laughs) Potiphar's wife... She's a beautiful woman, and she doesn't take being scorned by her slave lightly. She is now determined to destroy Joseph. She keeps Joseph's garment in hand until Potiphar comes home. Not only that, it gives her time to prepare her lie against Joseph. Potiphar hears the lie, and his anger is aroused. But I have a question for you. Who is Potiphar angry with? Allow me to remind you, Joseph is extremely trusted by Potiphar. Potiphar did not come to trust Joseph by happen chance. No doubt he has put Joseph through many little tests to see how loyal Joseph is to him. Potiphar has observed Joseph's good work habits, his trustworthiness. And the scriptures tell us Potiphar can see that God is with Joseph. Potiphar is very wealthy because of Joseph's faithfulness to him. And I do not believe for a moment that Potiphar is ignorant of his wife's character or her behavior. I just, I just don't think Potiphar was that dumb. Potiphar's wife, for years, about ten years, has been coming on to Joseph, tempting him. And in verse 19, I firmly believe Potiphar's anger It's towards his wife, not towards Joseph. Let me try to explain. (laughs) Uh, She has finally trapped Joseph in the house. Her web of lust has come full circle. uh, And she has trapped Joseph by lies to Potiphar. She is forcing her husband to take action because she has been scorned. Take action, defend my honor, if you will. But there's another reason I believe Potiphar is angry at his wife, and it's because he shows mercy to Joseph. The penalty for a slave in attempted rape was simple. It was the death penalty. Instant death penalty. No trial, no opportunity to defend yourself. By the way, Joseph doesn't attempt to defend himself. They would take anyone guilty of rape or attempted rape, and they would instantly behead him. 
and then hang his body out on a tree for the birds of the air to eat. That was the penalty for a slave trying to do what Potiphar's wife accused Joseph of. I think Potiphar is angry because he has allowed his wife to manipulate him. She, he has allowed her to force his hand, and he's got to do something to save face. And he must punish Joseph in some way. Therefore, Joseph is off to the king's prison. And he's not off to the common prison, but off to the king's prison where the king's personal offenders were put. In essence, Potiphar is sparing Joseph's life. Why does he spare his life? I think because he doesn't believe his wife's story. I don't believe for a moment that Potiphar is ignorant of the good character of Joseph nor the bad character of his wife. I don't think Potiphar is that dumb. But we must understand, God has plans for Joseph, and the best life insurance that Joseph could have, any of us could have, is to be doing God's will. And even if you think I'm totally wrong about Potiphar's anger, which you can, that's all right. <laughs> God did not allow Joseph's brothers to kill Joseph. And God will not allow Potiphar to kill Joseph. He won't allow it. Joseph is thrown into prison for doing good. In First Peter we read, uh, better to suffer for doing good than to suffer for doing wrong. Have you ever thought about that? We expect to suffer when we do wrong, but when you do good, you expect good in return, and we don't always get it. Joseph, he is learning patience through the many unfair trials that are coming upon him. And as we read this story, we want to cry out to Joseph, hang in there, buddy. It will get better. <laughs> God will turn all your grievous trials, he'll turn them into triumphs. And it's easy for us to believe in the goodness of God towards others. But do we believe in the goodness of God when it's us, me personally, going through a trial. But allow me to take you to the future for a moment, of the future in Joseph's life. Within two years, roughly two years, Pharaoh will put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh himself. Now, what do you think Potiphar and his wife think of Pharaoh's decision to put Joseph in this great position of power. Do you think Potiphar and his wife are just a little concerned <laughs> that perhaps Joseph will take revenge upon them? Do you think Potiphar's wife regrets the lies about the man who's now in charge of all of Egypt? Potiphar's wife, she's already proven 
her character. She's an evil person with an agenda. And I think the Potiphar's fear Joseph will retaliate against them. That would just be a natural fear. But how about Potiphar himself? He probably still regrets that he allowed his wife to convince him to do wrong to Joseph. He's probably saying, I knew he was innocent all the time, <laughs> but I'd let her prevail. Perhaps it's, it's time for Potiphar to, and his wife to get out of Dodge or, or get out of Cairo, either one you want to put. But for this Hebrew slave, Joseph, he's now only second to the Pharaoh in power. Great authority, great power. And Potiphar and his wife, their only hope is that Joseph is a righteous man. That's their only hope. Their only hope is this, this righteous man will not take revenge or justice out upon them. And it would be just for Joseph to do something to them. But we don't read of Joseph doing anything. I think to Joseph's credit, he understands God is in control. He's in control of my life and the circumstances of my life. And God controls all the trials that come Joseph's way, including the sinister lies of Potiphar's wife. You know, it's not always easy for us to see the hand of God when we're in the midst of grievous trials. And you know why they're called grievous trials? Because they're grievous. <laughs> because they try us to the depths of our being. But Joseph, he's learning, not necessarily always understanding, but he is learning that all that comes upon him, that his God is in control. Looking into the future, we see Joseph in chapter 50, verse 20, and he says this to his brothers, but it, it applies to his whole life. And he's speaking to his brother and he says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring about as it is this day to save many people alive. God had a plan for Joseph all along. Therefore, rest easy, Potiphar's. <laughs> Joseph sees God's hand even in the way you treated him. That helps us to forgive. When you see that God was the one orchestrating the trial that you're in, it's easier not easy, but easier to forgive those that come against us because God's hand has been in it. Joseph sees God's hand in his life. It does make it a little easier when we go through unfair, tough times that God has set for us to go through. It's easier to forgive those who who come against us. 
And it's been said of a trial that you're either coming out of a trial, going into the trial, or you're in the midst of a trial. They're a way of life for believers. <laughs> How I wish it weren't always the case, but, you know, we can, we can get angry, we can stomp our feet, we can cry out unfair, yet the trials remain. And the most we can do during any trial, I think the most we can do is ask God, what are you trying to teach me? For I want to be teachable. You see, God's working in our hearts and lives. He's wanting to mature us. He's wanting to bring about that character that he desires in our life. To me, when Joseph was thrown into prison, that was rock bottom. I can't even imagine prison life. I know a little bit about what goes on in prison, and that's, that's too much for me to even consider going to prison. And Joseph is thrown into prison. But in verse 21 we read, But the Lord was with Joseph. Disregard all the previous bad things that Joseph has gone through. The Lord is with Joseph. Regardless of the difficulty that you may be experiencing, regardless of what you may be going through, I can assure you the Lord is with you. And that nullifies the bad that anybody would try to do to you. It's not a cop-out to say the Lord is with you. That's the best news any believer could ever hear. That God is with us. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. If you're going through a tough time, perhaps you need healing or prayer for any other need in your life, there will be men and women in the back who will be glad to pray with you. So take advantage of that. Let's close in prayer. Father God, thank you for the example of Joseph. It's easy for us to read about what he goes through, but when we begin to put ourselves into some of the situations that Joseph was in, we know that he was a remarkable man and you were doing remarkable things in his life. And we thank you for the example of Joseph. And Lord, we want to be an example like Joseph. We want others to be able to say, God is with him. And indeed you are. You are faithful, Lord. You are true. Uh, the whole world can be against us, but if you're with us, that's enough. And we thank you for that. So thank you for loving us. Thank you for taking us on as your people. And thank you for always being with us. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.